Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me again today to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, I should say. And I'm coming close to finishing out this portion, this series on the wisdom of God, but it's gonna, it's gonna just naturally flow, or like they say, segue into the next uh, series I'm gonna do. The two will just sort of uh, mesh together. Uh, but let's, let's look again today at this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter two. Verse number six says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, amen, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to, our, to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him, even so no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For he, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Glory to God. The ver verse that we have focused on in this section is verse number six or two verses six and seven. And it talks about the hidden wisdom of God. And it compares this hidden wisdom to uh, natural wisdom or the wisdom of this age. And we see that God uh, throughout time had hidden uh, a certain truth and a certain revelation. And he didn't hide it from us, he hid it for us. It was hidden uh, uh, during the ages that came before us, but then in the church age, these things are being declared to us. And it has to do with the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension and, and, and seating of Christ and the church being raised up and seated together with him. And it says that the spirit has been given to us to reveal these things to us. We've, we also found out that there's no other way to really understand these things except by the Spirit of God. 
He says the natural man cannot receive these things, only the spiritual man, in other words, the person who has been born again. But even being born again, you still have to rely on the Holy Spirit because you won't just see these things naturally because they are not naturally discerned. They're not revealed to us in the natural. You can fill your head with knowledge of all of these scriptures and yet not have spiritual understanding. It takes the Holy Spirit to take these things and make them real to you so so that they sort of pop on the inside. They sort of go off on the inside of you and, and suddenly you see it and you understand what the Spirit of God is saying to you. This is something that, that every believer uh, needs to ask God for. Paul prayed it for the church at Corinth or, or the church at Ephesus that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened so that they would know these things, that they would be able to have spiritual comprehension of these things. And so we need to do the same thing today, amen? Now let's go on over before, instead of just covering too much stuff we've done before, go over to Matthew, the 28th chapter, and this is where we were last week, the 28th chapter of Matthew, and we'll start in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And of course, we read more about that in other places. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I don't believe Jesus just said this real casually. You know, in just sort of a monotone. Uh, this was a very major announcement. When Jesus said this, he was saying something important. He was announcing something that had happened that they needed to know. And so I add my voice inflection to it. I, I, I doubt even that, that I can do it in, in a way that, that would even do justice to the way Jesus said it. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Well, you know, people get excited about, woo, glory to God. Jesus has authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus, we sang this morning, he reigns forever. He reigns forever. No, Jesus reigns, he reigns, he reigns. Well, he does. I'm not just picking on a song. But I know, even though I don't know who wrote that song, for instance, just take that song for instance, even though I don't know who wrote the song, you didn't write it, did you? I didn't think so. Okay, I'm gonna make sure. <laughs> I'll go a little softer if he'd written it. I don't know who wrote the song personally, so I don't know what he knows personally. But I know what the church knows. I know basically what the body of Christ understands. And that song is written from this, from this understanding that Jesus has been raised from the dead and he reigns over all. Well, don't get too excited here. Hold on. <laughs> you know me better than that. Yeah, he reigns all right. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, me, in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go. Now, you see, you, you can't just read just Matthew 28 to get the whole great commission. See, the certain... I started to say who, but certain denominations, they don't like the Mark's version. 
They only like Matthew's version. They like to read the Great Commission in Matthew because it's not controversial. <clears throat> he said, just go, excuse me. <clears throat> he said, go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them everything. Woo, glory. Every group can get around that and can, and, and can go along with that, right? But see, that's Matthew's version of what Jesus said in this context, what we call the Great Commission. Mark's version, a lot of the church doesn't like. Go over to Mark, 16th chapter. See, this is the same conversation, the same thing Jesus is saying. Mark included this part of what Jesus said all of this. Do you understand that? He said all of it. Hold your place. We'll come back to Mark. Go over to Luke. 24. Luke 24, verse 46, he said to them, thus it is written, thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That was part of the Great Commission too. Jesus said all of this in one setting. Go over to Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one. I got too many fingers stuck in my Bible here to do this publicly very well. Glory to God. Well, I can find them again, I guess. <laughs> Acts chapter one in verse number four, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's part of the Great Commission too. All of this Jesus said as his final instructions to the church, okay? Now go back, we, re we read what Jesus said in Matthew, go back to Mark. He not only said all authority's been given to me in heaven and earth, he also then said, go, you go therefore. Remember last week we, we talked about what the word therefore means? Huh? The word therefore means from that fact or reason. You look it up, I did. Therefore means from that fact or reason. Or it means as a result. Or it means as a consequence. So Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth for that fact or reason. As a consequence, you go and do all these things. And some of what he said do is contained here in, in Matthew 16. Preach the gospel to every creature. This is verse 15, verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. There are certain groups and in, in, in denominations, they don't, they don't like to read the 16th chapter of Mark. They're all about preaching the gospel, but they don't you know, get into that talking in tongues and laying hands on the sick and snakes and all that sort of thing. They, they, it freaks them out. 
What was Jesus saying? He was saying, in my name, exercise authority in this earth. See, the truth of the matter is, Jesus transferred or delegated the authority in the earth that was given to him. He delegated that to the church. Amen. I said this last week. I didn't know we were going to sing this song this morning, but just, it, it, it underscores what I'm trying to, to get at. The church as a whole, now we know better when we sing, but we also, you can't deny the grip of traditional thinking. And if we're not very, very careful, we get very excited over this idea that Jesus reigns over all. Well, he doesn't. Dun, da, da, dun. <laughs> I said, he doesn't. He reigns in heaven. All authority in heaven and on earth was given to Jesus, but he transferred the authority in the earth to us. He's not reigning here. He's reigning in heaven. We're the ones who are supposed to reign here. We haven't been doing a very good job. But that's the truth. I said, that's the truth. Now, I made this statement last week, and, but it, it, it bears going back and, and uh, giving a little more uh, uh, evidence, give, give some background. I made this statement. I said, Jesus went before his disciples, stood before them, and boldly declared that all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him, and then he turned around and went to heaven where he can't exercise the authority in the earth. Now, is that true? I mean, I said it. Is it true that Jesus cannot exercise authority in the earth? Well, I'm gonna show you that it's true, but I'm gonna explain something to you. I'm not talking about the authority that is inherent in him as God. Remember earlier in, in this series, I quoted from the book of Acts where right after we read, just here in the first chapter, we read where the disciples, Jesus said that, that you'll receive power when, when, when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And they said, uh, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And he said, it's not been given to you to know the times and seasons which God has put in his own authority. God reserves authority. I'm not saying that there isn't anything God can do in the earth unless we do it. That God can't do anything. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the authority that Jesus got he got it for the church. And if the church doesn't exercise that authority, I'm not talking about God's authority, the church's authority that Jesus won when he defeated the devil and was raised from the dead and seated, was seated at the right hand of the Father and given a name that's above every other name, that authority is Adam's authority. It's man's authority. We have the idea, we, we, we understand sometimes that Jesus became a man. We talk about this a lot in Philippians. 
how he emptied himself and he became a man, humbled himself, took upon himself flesh, became a man, and even humbled himself to the point of dying on the cross for humanity. And we see his humanity, his deity shrouded in humanity, if you want to put it that way. And that he laid aside his, his, his uh, uh, emptied himself, laid aside his, his rightful resources as God and became a man. What we don't very often see is he's still a man. He didn't, he didn't shuck that man shell, that man earth suit when he was when he defeated the devil in hell and took that authority back, he came back and got that body up. He came back and picked that man body up. Now, it's a glorified body, but it's still human. It's the same kind of body you and I are gonna have in the resurrection. Same, exact same body. Just like Jesus in his earth walk his physical, in his physical being, he was like any other man except, of course, he was sinless. But as far as his, his humanity, he was 100% man just like we are. Well, in the resurrection, he's still 100% man just like we will be. We're not gonna become angels Amen. in heaven. We will be flesh and bone men and women like we are today. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and he is a man. The Bible says there's one mediator between God the Father and men, the man Christ Jesus. He is a man, he is a human being and he has the authority that God gave Adam and Adam gave to the devil. Jesus took that back for himself but he gave it to the church and it's man's authority. Now, let me look, let's look at, let's look at Matthew. I, I can show you that this is not God's authority. Jesus, is Jesus God? Yes, obviously. He is God. He, he eternally existed with the Father before anything. We've gone over this fact that everything that was made, he made it. He is God. But as God, he took upon himself human form. He became a man, okay? Now notice what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and spoke to them and said, all authority has been given to me. This could not be divine authority. This could not be the authority that's inherent in God because he always had that. He didn't lose that. He didn't lose that in, in when he became a man. He didn't lose it in his birth, and his childhood. He didn't lose it when he was a, a teenager and a young man and was in ministry. He, he didn't lose the power and the authority of God. He had that. He didn't exercise it because he emptied himself and became a man. But in his deity, he always had the authority. He never lost it any time. He didn't lose it on the cross. Didn't lose it during the three days. So how can he say authority has, all authority has been given to him? It couldn't be given to him if he already had it. Do you see this? Something was given. Authority, all authority in heaven and on earth 
was given to Jesus when he defeated the devil and was raised from the dead, he was given all authority in heaven and earth and seated at the Father's right hand as a man. It's very important. That's the authority that Jesus delegated to the church. The authority God gave man has to be exercised in the earth. It doesn't work anywhere else. Genesis 1, God created man in his image and in his likeness. And he said, I give you dominion over the earth. Is that right? I give you dominion to rule over this earth. That dominion doesn't extend into heaven. I'm talking about the heaven where God is. It's over the earth. And it's really this earth realm. Now, I, get, I know I could go a far off subject, and I'm not, just real quickly here. The Bible describes three heavens. If you read the New Testament, in the Old Testament even, you'll find there are three heavens referred to. There is the, the first heavens, and that is the atmosphere around this earth from ground up, okay? We walk on the earth, but birds, the Bible talks about the birds that fly through the heavens. Well, it's not talking about heaven, heaven. It's talking about the, the heavens around. In other words, the, the atmosphere around the earth where we function where we live and breathe. That's the first heaven. Then there's a second heaven, and that's the heaven that's outside of that. Now, how do we know that? Well, we know that because Paul said, let me go back to that. Paul said that he knew a man in Christ that was called up to the third heaven. Well, if there's a third heaven, there has to be a second heaven and a first heaven, or else it'd just be heaven. And if the third heaven, there couldn't be just two, or it'd be, it couldn't be the first and third It'd be the, that would be the second heaven. There's three heavens. Well, we know the heaven he's talking about called up to the third heaven. That's the heaven where God is, the throne of God is. So that's one heaven. The other heaven is the heaven where birds fly around. Well, there has to be something in between. That's the heavens of space, outside of, of, of the earth's atmosphere, out in deep space. That's the second heaven. God gave Adam authority on this earth, but if you're on this earth, you're operating in this first heaven. We even have men today that can fly. Isn't that right? And get up into the, in, into the outer reaches of our atmosphere and even pierce that and get outside of that. But we operate all the time right here. Even if you're just walking around, you're still in this first heaven. When God gave Adam authority in the, in the earth, it was over the earth realm. That authority did not extend into the third heaven. That's where Jesus is today. Now he said all authority <clears throat> let me make sure I've, I've covered this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, but I'm going to heaven 
And even though I'm a man, in heaven, I can't exercise authority in the earth because authority in the earth belongs to men in the earth. You have to be living and be here. (laughs) Dead men can't exercise it. Saints that have gone on ahead of us into heaven, they can't exercise it, not here. Only only men can exercise that authority. Do you see that? We've been given all of the authority in this earth. It's been given to the church. Now, let let me get back because I I raised this this question so I want to completely flesh it out. This song, and I'm not just picking on this song, we just happened to sing it today. The church gets so excited And it sings about Jesus having all authority. He reigns forever. He reigns. And I know what most of the church thinks. and and, And unconsciously, we get into it too. We slide right into that. We slide right back into it. He's reigning over. He isn't. He is only reigning in the earth to the degree that we reign. Now, we sing this, and very often we'll, we'll comment. I do. Brother Steve did today. Oh, yes, he's reigning through us. But how well is he reigning through us? He reigns forever. That, that, that's the sense that, whoo, he is doing it. He is cooking. He is getting it done. He reigns forever. Well, is he really cooking it? Is he really getting it done in the earth? Well, just let me ask you the question. How good a job are you doing? God wants us to reign here. He wants us to take our authority and take it seriously and know what belongs to us and start using it in our life every day. Every day. Not just when something big comes. Every day. Hallelujah. He wants us to take that authority. Now, we exercise that authority two primary ways. I'm talking about ways uh, uh, methods. We exercise that authority in prayer and we exercise that authority in speaking. Go with me to Matthew 6. Now you know that John Wesley, there's a quote that's attributed to John, John, John Wesley. Did I say Wesley? It's a quote Attributed to John Wesley. <laughs> and I haven't looked up all of the, uh, of the writings of John Wesley, so I haven't verified that he said this, but it's attributed to him. You know, John Wesley was the founder of Methodist, Methodist uh, uh, denomination. And the quote is that he said, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life that God can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Wesley said, it seems. Another author, Brother Hagen, wrote that he, he read that and he thought about it and then a little later and he didn't really, didn't really register on him. And then a number of years later, he read another writer quoting Wesley and the second writer quoting Wesley said, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life, 
that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. And then that second writer added this. He said, why this is, we don't know. And Brother Hagin said, you know what? If that's true, and it seems to be true, we need to know why. Why is it that God is limited by our prayer life? Well, is it, first of all, is it true? Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 7, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. God knows what you need before you ask him. But you're still supposed to ask him. Now, is this just an exercise so that we'll learn our place? So that we will not take airs, you know, uh, uh, is that the right word? You know, take, take uh, airs, think we're somebody. We need to be humble and asking. No. Notice what he said. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Now notice, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, pray that God's will would be done on earth. Well, why doesn't he just do his will? Why, is, why isn't his will just done? I mean, it, it's, it is his will. I mean, there, there, there is a will for God in every situation in the earth. God has a, a, a will, a will. God has a will God has a will for what goes on here. Your life, my life, every, everything going on, God has a plan. He has a will. He has a, he has a will. Why doesn't he just do it? If it's his will, why do we have to ask him to do what he wants to do? His will is what he wants to do. His will is his desire. He has a desire, an intent, you could say, for situations here. Why doesn't he just go ahead and do it He says, you ask, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Go over to the seventh chapter. Verse seven, ask and it will be given you. Now we've already read, Jesus said, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has already said, your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Here he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him a knock it will be opened. We'll, we'll ignore the knocking and the seeking for today. Just keep it simple. Ask. Ask. And it will be given to you. For everyone who asks receives. Notice it didn't say everyone receives. It didn't say everyone receives. It says everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks, well, what about the ones that don't ask? They don't receive. And yet the father knows they need the things that they ought to ask for. He knows they need them. But because they don't ask for them, James said it like this. He said, you have not because you ask not. 
Then he went on to say, you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrong. But that's, a, that's another sermon. What I'm dealing with today is the fact that you don't ask, you don't receive. Even though it's God's will for something to be done in your life, if you don't ask him, he won't do it. Well, is he just hard-headed? Is he just obstinate? This is evidence. You know he's not. You know God wants to do more than we want him to. He wants the good things for us because he talks about them here. Talks about, well, go back in the, in the top of the sixth, the end of the sixth chapter. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Well, what kind of things do the Gentiles seek? Good stuff. The world seeks good stuff. Now, I know Josh likes to go to the, the uh, Goodwill store. Is that Joby? Who is it? One of you used to when you were younger. They used to, they said, I don't want to buy new stuff. I'll go to the Goodwill store. I'll buy secondhand stuff. Well, that's fine if you want to. But I've noticed that on Black Friday, the crowds are not at the Goodwill store. They're at the mall. Because most people, jets excluded, just, just picking on them. I heard that years ago, and I guess they just still don't do that. He looked like, what are you talking about? Most people want good stuff. They want new stuff. Isn't that right? Most people would prefer to have a new car rather than an old car. He said, all these things the Gentiles seek, and your father knows you need all these things. He wants you to have all these. Now listen, if he didn't want you to have it, he wouldn't tell you to ask for it. Because he said everyone who asks receives. He wouldn't say ask if he didn't want you to have it because he's already promised to give it to you. So he must want you to have it. But if he wants you to have it, why do you have to ask? Because God's hands are tied here in this earth. There are things that are not gonna happen now, I'm not saying that God doesn't reserve authority to do some things. I'm not saying that on his own. But I'm talking about the things that God has put in the realm of man's authority. God is not going to get out of his place and start doing things that he's told us we're supposed to take authority over. And when one way we do it is in prayer. You say, take authority in prayer? Absolutely. Because... Uh, it goes on to say, see if that's a, uh, let me see, Matthew, go back to chapter nine. We're in chapter seven. Go to chapter nine. I just want to make sure I cover this. Chapter nine. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is the one that really proved it to me. This is the verse that really, like we say, <clears throat> since the deal, clinched, how do you say that? Since the deal? Clenched, clenched the deal. This is the thing that clenched the deal for me when I read this. Verse 20, 36, Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus was moved with the compassion of God. 
He was moved, just like you are. You're touched when you see people in need and your heart goes out to them. That's what happened to Jesus. So he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now notice, he told the disciples, and he, and he told it, he said this from the, from the uh, position of being moved with compassion. He was touched. He was, his heart went out to people with their needs. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Well, we know the Lord of the harvest would be God the Father. That's who Jesus would say to be praying to, right? That's talking about God. He's saying, pray to God who is, who is the Lord of the harvest. The harvest he's talking about is God, it's God's harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. I mean, it belongs to him. Ask him to send out laborers into his, into his harvest. Well, if it's his harvest and he wants them to go, and obviously he does because Jesus wouldn't tell us to pray that God would send them if he didn't want them to be sent. If it's God's harvest and A, the harvest is his and the laborers are his and he wants them to go, why doesn't he just send them? I mean, it's God that sends people. I don't send them. I don't send out laborers. You don't send them. God sends them. Well, if it's God doing the sending, why doesn't he just send them? No, he said, ask, you ask the Father again to do something he wants to do that's in his own interest to do and it's to bless humanity. He wants to do it and I'm, and I'm moved with my compassion for these people because they need it so much. But God's waiting on you to ask him to send laborers out. That kind, of, that kind of sealed the deal for me. It's obvious that God is limited by our prayer life. That he can only, if he could do it without asking, then he would do it. Unless he's not a loving God or unless he's a hypocrite or unless he has, uh, you know, a, a, a real, you know, nasty side of him. Huh? If he wants to do it, he must not be able to do it unless we ask him to do it because he told us to ask him and when we ask him, he would do it. So that's how we do it in prayer. But we have to, see, here's the, here's the aspect of exercising authority. It's not just asking, it's asking in faith. See, Jesus said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Asking in faith. Listen, just when you're driving to the mall and it's storming, excuse me, and the thought comes to you, Oh boy, I need, a, I need a parking space up close. I just got my hair done. And I need a parking space up close. When you're driving, to even, even if you say it out loud, if you say something like, oh Lord, I need a parking place up close. You do realize that's not praying. We do that a lot. We say, oh Lord, I need a parking place up close. You don't think he knows it's raining? 
He sees your beautiful hairdo. He knows you need, that's not praying. Oh Lord, I need a, I need a parking place. That's not praying and it's not faith. Oh Lord, we, we, need, we, need, uh, we need it to, to not rain on Sunday for our fellowship. We need that. That's not praying. That's not faith. Notice Pastor Angela says this morning, she's been speaking to it all week. Now that's the other way you exercise authority. One way is by praying, the other way is by saying. But both ways require faith. And when you're exercising faith in God, the Bible kind of faith, you're exercising the authority that belongs to the church because we are believers. We've been authorized. Amen? Amen? To ask. So one way you exercise authority is in your asking. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Not just believe, not just all the, not everything you comment on, not everything you tell God about, it's what you ask in prayer and you believe that you receive. Those are the things God does. That's one way of doing it. The other way of doing it is, is by speaking it. Well, glory to God. Go to, to Mark 11 again. Go to Mark 11. Well, praise the Lord. Whew. Hallelujah. Verse 23. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, remember what the word therefore means? For this reason, because of this fact, based on this as a consequence, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. See, this talk, these two verses talk about believing. One way is believing that you have what you say. And the second verse, verse 24, is believing that you have what you pray. You can exercise authority by believing you have what you say or you can exercise authority by believing you have what you, what you pray. It's two ways, praying and saying. You can do it either way. That's what Pastor Angela was talking about. She says all week long she's been speaking to the weather. What's she acting on? Having what you say. Because very often we, we do it. I hear it a lot. Oh, Lord, we, you know, we need, oh, Lord, you know I need this. Oh, Lord, I was, oh, Lord, I'm driving to work. Oh, Lord, I, I just need this meeting to go well today, today. I just need it to go well. Now, well, that's, yeah, he knows you do. You didn't tell him anything you didn't know but you didn't pray. I mean, it's prayer. You were talking to him, but you didn't ask him. You didn't claim anything. You didn't say, Father, because I need this meeting to go well today, I'm asking you that this meeting will go well. I'm asking you that everybody involved will be reasonable and that you'll give favor. And I'm asking for a good meeting with a good outcome today that we'll get something accomplished. I'm asking for that for me, just for me. I believe I receive that. See, that's faith. 
Get out of the habit. Get out of the habit of saying things like, oh, Lord, you know, I need this. And, oh, Lord, I need that. That is not the prayer of faith. It's not the prayer of faith. And it's not taking authority. But you can do it either way. Because certain things you know belongs to you, you can just say it. Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believe. Now, it's not just talking about mountains, moving mountains. But he said, he said, he didn't say whoever says to this mountain, this one right here behind us, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he said about this mountain will be done, he'll have whatever he says. That's not what he said. He said, whoever says this and believes that those things he says. So he's just using the mountain as an example. It could be anything in life that needs to change. Those things, whoever believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Go with me in closing over to Luke, the 17th chapter. Luke 17. And look at verse. Now this was a different, Jesus spoke those words as they were walking from Bethany to Jerusalem one morning uh, and they saw the fig tree, okay? In the 17th chapter of Luke, this is a different occasion. This is not the same morning. But he said something very similar. Look at verse number six. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea. So the tree and the mountain are just examples. Everybody get that? He said, if you said, well, I just wish I had faith for that. He said, if you have a teeny weeny bit of faith, just a tiny bit of faith, if you just have the smallest amount of, mustard seed was the smallest seed. He said, if you just have a speck of faith, you will say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the seed. Now notice the rest of this. And it would obey you. It would obey you. Why? Because God gave men dominion over mulberry trees. He did in Genesis, Genesis chapter one. He gave men authority and dominion over mulberry trees. And the mulberries. And everything else in the garden. He gave us authority. Satan took it, but Jesus got it back, and now we have it again. Church, we have the authority that Jesus got back when he announced all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. He went to heaven. He left us with the earth side of that authority. It belongs to the church. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.